Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Delivering presentations, meetings, and trainings online has quickly become the norm in 2020, but many people struggle to engage their audience in an online format. Filming a play does not make it a movie, and similarly, using the same strategies for an in-person presentation is not the same as presenting it online. The approach and design must be tailored to the medium in which it is presented. On this episode, I'm thrilled to discuss best practices of hosting webinars with an international expert in workplace learning technologies and in designing engaging, interactive webinars. Donald Taylor is the chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute and for the past 20 years has chaired the Learning Technologies Conference in London. Donald has helped plan and deliver learning technology events around the world. He also works with speakers of every level of experience, including novices, and some of the world's most experienced online speakers, and has helped them to build and pace their presentations, ensuring that they keep audiences engaged. Since 2014, Donald has run the Learning and Development Global Sentiment Survey, which provides valuable insights to leaders of organizations and L&D professionals. He is also the author of the book, Learning Technologies in the Workplace, and many articles. In 2007, he received the Colin Corden Award for Services and Training, and in 2016, an honorary doctorate from London's Middlesex University for Services to the Learning and Development Profession. Thank you very much, Don, for joining me today. Kinga, it is a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's start from the very beginning. And could, could I ask you to tell me what exactly is a webinar? It's a good question, because um, I think if we don't define it, there's a risk that we could be talking at cross purposes. For me, a webinar is an interactive broadcast. So what I mean is you are talking to a large collection of people. By large, I mean, typically, let's say 30 upwards, and you are interacting with them. I think that's quite important. If it's not interactive, then I'm not sure there's any point in doing it online live. You might as well be sharing a video with people. Exactly. So that's what I'd say. And and the reason I put a lower limit on it in terms of numbers is that obviously there are things you could do with a webinar. Uh, sorry, there are things you could do online in terms of meeting with people that sound like webinars, but are very different because there's much more interaction between people, particularly verbally. And I think there is a real qualitative difference between having 12 people in a zoom meeting where you've got a rich discussion taking place and as i say an interactive broadcast which is for me what epitomizes a webinar okay great so that could be anything from a workplace presentation training uh, and even very applicable to schools and universities well absolutely yes yeah but also um i think it's important to say that however interactive it is talking to people isn't the same as helping them learn and certainly lectures slash webinars can be an important part of a learning package but they are not the sole part and we delude ourselves and we we don't do we don't serve our participants well if we imagine that broadcasting is the sole route to 
knowledge. It can be part of it, but it's not the only way of getting there. Absolutely. Okay, great. So a lot of us are experiencing a lot of online, uh, both lectures, but also uh, webinars where they're interactive, they're meant to be interactive and participatory. And so many people are talking about being the, the issues around it, the negative aspects of, of some of these experiences. Maybe it's just overwhelming. But what do you think are the key issues with webinars? Let's turn it around. We do have to talk about the, the issues. We do have to talk about the way they are so potentially draining of energy and how dull they can be and why it's the perfect time sometimes to have a bit of background radio when you're doing your expenses or e- your email. But let's, before we talk about that, let's look at the positive side of it because there are good reasons for doing webinars and I think absolutely I think it's very important they are not the poor relation to a physical event mm-hmm. they are an event in their own right and have unique affordances there are things you can do in a webinar that you can't really do face to face and it's worthwhile having a look at this so let me quickly just run through some of the reasons interrupt me by all means if I'm boring you or there's something you want to add Uh, um, and uh, let me try to look at why I think there are good sides to a webinar the first thing is they are convenient now this is perhaps not terribly exciting but the fact is that I've been attending for the past six months currently we're in uh, August in 2020 I've been attending board meetings, strategy meetings, marketing meetings, interviews, a whole range of activities, all of which have been taking place online in a way that we wouldn't have considered possible before. Not because we knew it wasn't technically possible, but just because it didn't seem to be somehow worthwhile to do it that way. Well, actually, now we're having actually really valuable board meetings that I'm participating in being done entirely online because it's convenient, because you don't have to spend perhaps, I don't know, 15 minutes in an office walking to a room or, in my case, one and a half hours getting across mm-hmm. London to the office where the board meeting's taking place. Absolutely. And it's more inclusive of international. Well, I, and that's a really good point. It, yes, it's, it's inclusive of international participants. It's also inclusive, if you do it right, and, and uh, inclusivity is an important issue, inclusive of um, people who can't get physically to a venue. So yes, mm-hmm. it's more inclusive of people internationally as well. And it's easy to underestimate if you've got certainly a public event, but also ones uh, in institutions or bodies that they are international. Absolutely. There are also other things about them, which we take for granted, like the fact that you can automatically archive them. You record them, the text, the talk, and it's all put to one side so that people can access it later on. Again, that's good for accessibility. But it's also something which makes presumably a valuable archive for other people who might not be able to make it. They could tap in later on and indeed future, let's say if you've got a cohort coming through, future cohorts can access the same material. Um, and there are, look, other things that are great about webinars, but I want to just draw your attention to one thing, which is that in a room of, let's say, 100 people, and I regularly do webinars, which are in the range of 50 to 150 people. Let's say you've got 100 people in the room and you want all their input on something. There are ways you can do it in a physical room, all of which takes time. There are lots of ways of doing it online, which takes very little time and where you get an awful lot of input very quickly. 
for example, the biggest one of these is you can just get everyone in the room to, to chat, by which I mean to write in a chat window, text chat window, simultaneously. That's something you simply can't do on face-to-face -face events, but you can do online. This turns a broadcast into a collaborative affair and makes it incredibly rich. Now, I've hosted and I've trained people and coached them to do webinars as well as giving them myself. Um, since 2007, and I've, I've participated one way or the other, mostly in a hosting slash speaking way, in over 500 events during that time. In every event, whether I've spoken or I've been hosting somebody else and coaching them, there isn't a single one where I haven't learned something from the audience, from the participants. Mm. I can't say the same for all the live speeches that I've given over that period. So I think that there is, as well as the slightly mundane things around convenience recording and so on there's a real qualitative difference here that is this is a great way of surfacing tacit knowledge from a community quickly and conveniently in a way that is a bit like what you and simple calls a trojan mouse a trojan horse is a big grand affair which makes change in an organization a trojan mouse is just a little thing that goes in and subtly subverts things and makes them different and i think you can find yourself involved in a knowledge sharing community almost by chance, but certainly without making a big fuss about it, just by putting on a webinar. So I that, love that. Yeah. That's my shop window for great things about webinars. No, that's fantastic. And I love the Trojan mouse. And uh, it's so true. It is a completely different medium and allows for a lot of strength. As you said, simply the fact that it's recorded, uh, it's like being it, people can come back to it. Even if they were there, they can come back to it and hear it again, especially for training uh, type of scenarios where it's like, like a book. You're not given a book and you can only read it once. You can go back and, and reread a book and look back at certain points and look at the chat. There's different channels of connecting. So it does. You might say, but hang on, hang on, Don. You can do all that with a recorded lecture. You can, but a recorded lecture typically is pretty dull with some exceptions. I was lucky enough to see Carl Sagan in the late 70s in London doing what's called the Christmas Lectures. I was 14 and he was talking to an auditorium of absolutely spellbound children like me about the universe. You, if I, I can watch those recordings now and I love it. But typically if we watch the recording of a lecture, yeah, it's a bit otherworldly. And the reason is that we are experiencing in a different manner the original experience because we're sitting outside watching a video of something which was experienced by people in situ that's not the case with a webinar with a webinar recording you're actually experiencing as it's designed to be experienced which is through your screen and so it is yes true that you can record the lecture but the experience of watching the recording is certainly different absolutely and that's a very important point that it's designed for the medium which is something that it's a skill and uh, and needs to be needs to be addressed because taking advantage of all its strengths. And as you said, creating a community, the chat in the background, the parallel chat in text is, a, is a, an amazing way to create a community and also to have participation um, in, yeah. in the lecture. So it's the best parts of, of a lot of different mediums, but it is yes. a medium in itself. So that doesn't negate that being in person also is very important and has its own strengths, but we should always be asking, what is the purpose? What is the uh, essence of this type of medium. I think so. And I, th I think it's a mistake to regard a face-to-face -face event as the gold standard. Mm -hmm. I think there are different things which are good for different things. Horses for courses, as we say in the UK. At the same time, 
we should never forget that a face-to-face -face event is extremely expensive in terms of the opportunity cost of people's time, not just in the event itself, because that's true for any synchronous event, but in terms of the getting there and getting out afterwards, which is often overlooked. Anyway. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so we're madly enthusiastic about webinars. They're great, all right. Uh, do we have to surface some of the some of the nasty, ugly side of the challenges? Because a lot of people, especially in this emergency online learning or emergency online work, um, there's a lot of challenges that people have faced. So let's let's explore some of those challenges. The big issues that people come up with are typically, I'm not sure about engagement. How do I know? So there's two things there. Firstly how do I get people engaged? And secondly, how do I know they're engaged? Mm -hmm. I think that's, those are the two big things that people come up with. But behind that, there's probably a third one, which is that it's desperately exhausting and tiring. And also, frankly, a bit miserable and debilitating to be thrust. When you're used to doing things in a certain way and you've got really good at it, to be thrust into having to do things in an entirely different but superficially similar medium without any preparation and so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not surprised i've been chatting with people during the course of lockdown about this i'm not surprised people are thoroughly exhausted and unhappy with the whole affair because quite naturally they feel that uh, the, the natural reaction is this is no good as a medium mm -hmm. whereas probably the case is that people have been poorly served by their organizations understandably given the circumstances in not having the time to properly prepare for this. And there's no doubt that it takes time to prepare for a face-to-face -face event. It takes more time, especially the first time, to prepare for um, uh, something online that seems to be equivalent. And often we don't realize what the detailed, what the intricacies are that we are relying on. So for yeah. example, giving a talk to a yeah. hundred people is very different than having a one-on-one -on -one, uh, tutorial with someone or, lect or, or conversation with someone or just giving a talk to a small group of people. And we don't realize what those differences are that we are relying on. Uh, for example, eye contact. People have said that a lot yeah. of video conferences are very exhausting because you're looking uh, subconsciously, you're looking for facial cues that simply don't come across on video or yeah. eye contact that isn't, isn't the same, making it much more exhausting. So understanding what these are and understanding uh, what the medium is we also underestimate the depth of experience that both the speaker and the audience has in a face-to-face -face event. Typically, we've all been through an educational process which has that as its model for something like 15 years. It's the only thing internationally which everybody of every class, background, race and creed has in common is mm. a classroom of some sort. So everyone's got that model in their head. You do a face-to-face -face with people, you can change it up and you can use different mechanisms, but you've lived that experience for it's 15 ingrained. years in one way. Exactly. Taking that online, taking that online, as you say, what my experience is talking to people having done this is they feel that they are automatically looking for those clues about the people they're talking to. And when they can't see them, what happens is the body ramps it up. Well, I can't see them. I'm not trying hard enough. I need to look even harder. Well, guess what? They're not there. That's the monitor in front of you, nothing else. You can't see the people. You can't get the feedback. When I talk to people who've, who's their first time doing a, a webinar, I always call them afterwards. How is that? The almost uniform reaction is it went really well, but I'm exhausted because mm. they've gone through this mechanism of trying to, 
trying to find out what's going on in the room. There are ways of finding out what's happening in the room, but they're different and you have to learn them and you have to use that rather than the innate and highly, uh, as you say, ingrained approach of looking at the room. Right. So it's partially the technical setup, which I'm sure some people are, you know, it's also a challenge to get sure. on. But then there's a lot of these design interpersonal type of uh, skills that are different in this medium. So in the book that you wrote, How to Be a Webinar Master, uh, <laughs> you can you went through such a thorough uh, can, we just say, can, we, can we just say, I'm not trying to sell a book to anybody on this podcast because it, it is, well, let's make it clear, it's available for free to anybody exactly. listening. So thank you. If you're listening, it is available free. Check the show notes, just go to the URL. Okay, now, back, Kinga, back, back to you. It's a phenomenal re resource to go through from the very, very beginning, step by step. So we can't cover the whole thing, but people can download it. So that, that's good. But for now, in this episode, can we go through the top tips that you have for presenting online? Just some of the key things you think we should keep in mind. So look, in, the, in the book, uh, I, I do go through things which are really important. So structure, story, uh, interaction, um, preparation for yourself on the day and it, it sounds terribly tedious but you wouldn't go into a face-to-face -face event wearing your pajamas um, or without having brushed your hair there are very simple things you need to do which become automatic in terms of running an online event which are as automatic as that so there are things which you need to do the, the, the structured story the interaction preparing yourself and designing your materials properly and we can go into all of those in a lot of detail, but right now I want to concentrate on just a, a few things because the, people can read that in the book. Mm -hmm. And I want to really focus on something I don't talk about in the book very much, which is what I call three principles of webinars, which don't have anything to do with those specifics, but rather are things I've come up with over probably the last... 13 plus years of doing this. So they apply to face-to-face -face stuff as well, but they're particularly important when you're doing an online event. Shall I tell you what my three Please. big principles are? Yeah, okay. Yes. So uh, the acronym, as it happens, is VIA or VIA. The first one is value. The second one is intimacy. And the third one is authenticity. And I mm -hmm. think if you get value, intimacy, and authenticity right, I almost think that you can ignore everything else because you'll have a, a, a captivated audience. So let me talk about those things. And at the end of it, I want to come back to one last thing, if possible, if we've got time, King, to talk about interaction. Because I know that's something everyone's concerned about, and I'd love to talk about the role of questions mm -hmm. making interaction happen. That's perfect. Something that a lot of people say, a lot of uh, online, both workplace trainers and teachers have that exact thing of how are we interacting? I can't read the students. I can't, I can't yes. understand. So that, that's great. We'll come back to that. Okay, so the three principles. What are your three big principles? Three principles, uh, value, intimacy, mm -hmm. authenticity. For me, value, it's very straightforward. What's in it for the participant? Usually in any talk, whether it's face-to-face -face or online, people show up with something they want to say. Uh, my job when I host people and coach them on this is to turn that around and say, what does the audience want or need to hear? Translated that way round, it becomes an entirely different operation. Use that question and the answer to guide then every single thing that you do, your choice of design, the way you use your voice, the way you deliver, the way you prepare, 
all of that has to be geared around when somebody spends an hour with me at the end of it, what value are they getting? Have I served them well? I did a session about a month ago in the Learning Technology Summer Forum about how to deliver a webinar. And it's, a, it's a, obviously, it's beating yourself up to deliver a webinar on how to deliver a webinar. It went very well. I had 600 people there. I calculated that 600 people for one hour is something like one person quarter of time. Mm. One whole quarter of a year of somebody's working time. That's a big responsibility. So mm. I, for me, I feel that I need to absolutely be sure the value people are getting from giving up that time is high. Um, it's a really important consideration for sure. And I think, I think it has to be defined and, and then use that to define it. So for me, I wanted to know, how am I going to make sure that when people finish this event, they are better able to deliver a webinar? And that meant I had to strip away everything else I might want to say about myself or a nice story here, or something else there. Everything, everything had to serve that one purpose. How do I get people better able to deliver a webinar? And then, of course, I told myself, well, look, it's not simply enough for me to have that idea. I need to also express it very clearly in a way that people largely listening, there are, of course, visuals in a webinar, but largely it's an auditory medium. How can they keep their concentration for a period of time so they can understand all right, Don's covered those two things. He's covering the third thing now. And these three things are all leading me towards this destination, which is better delivery. You have to be not just clear in your own mind, but explicit to the audience. What is it that you are going to help them with? And how do all those different parts relate together? Now, look, it could be that you've got a product to sell. Fine. Well, don't sell the product. Sell the benefit to the person of listening to you talking about it. Maybe you've got a theoretical model that you want people to understand for an exam. Fine. The benefit is not in the model. The benefit is in helping people understand what they need for the exam and so on. Precisely. What's mm. the value? Work from that and everything else comes out of it. That's extremely important for any type of presentation yeah, or, or lecture or But meeting. the difference online, the difference online is that if you're sat in the middle of a row, a 20 person row in an auditorium and you think, oh my Lord, I'm not getting anything out of this. You don't get up and shuffle past everyone else to walk out. Uh, online though, absolutely. If you're not being useful to people, they are silently filing out. Maybe they've got you on in the background, like a bit of, a bit of background music exactly. while they do their email. And look, honestly, people, do you want to be second choice after somebody's inbox for their attention? How demeaning is that? Put yourself first. Mm, absolutely, back. because you have to consider that it's not even them wanting to uh, do something mm. else, but it's just mm. so much, the pull is so much greater, isn't it, when you're not physically there. So you have to make it especially clear it and concise. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, great. So what about intimacy? It sounds a bit creepy, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> intimate on your... No, I don't mean it like that. Intimacy, by which I mean, it's a bit weird, but webinars are a different medium to a talk to an audience, to a large one. So let's say you've got 100 people in a room. When you talk to 100 people in the room, you're standing at the front and you are naturally proclaiming to them, as an actor does on the stage. But when you're in a webinar as a participant, you're one-on-one -on -one with the speaker. They're coming directly into your ear. And that's incredibly valuable. But if you take the wrong approach, if you talk as if you're talking to an audience and somebody's listening to that, it sounds odd. It's off-putting. And without even consciously noticing it, the audience individually, one by one, may, may not, but may disengage because they may think, well, I'm being lectured at. 
what I want to do from this person who's right in my ear right now is, is just have a conversation. I'm listening largely, but I want to be one-on-one -on -one with them. This is one of those subconscious things Absolutely. that we don't realize until we really discuss it and, and hear about this, because we are subconsciously expecting this from yes. a podcast, a webinar, any of these mediums that are coming straight into our ears, and there aren't other audience members around us. No. So we have to acknowledge, realize that and design for that, because subconsciously, that's what you are expecting. That's what you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And look, it's tremendously valuable in an auditorium you have to be a really good presenter to stand there. And you know what it's like? People say, oh, my goodness, so-and-so, he made everyone in the room feel important, or she did, right? You know, you hear that about really good speakers. Mm -hmm. Guess what? With a webinar, you've got that ability. You are going to be making everyone feel important if you just use it right. The trick How is, you... the, yes. the very simple trick, you were going to ask a question quite yeah, exactly. well, raise the problem, what's the answer? The very simple trick is just imagine there's somebody just the other side of your monitor. If you've got a monitor in front of you, just talk to them as if you're, they're there. Imagine your typical audience member, whoever they are. Maybe it's Mohammed is in Pakistan. He really wants to hear about this thing. Or, I don't know, um, Carl in South Africa, really keen to get this thing. And you talk to them about it and you explain it. And wow, as soon as you start doing that, you can hear your voice change. You become somebody who's sharing something you you've got a natural authority because that's why you're there but it's not stiff it's informal it's authoritative and that person wants to come with you wow fantastic exactly it's like explaining something to someone one-on-one -on -one when they're in exactly. front of you as opposed to in front of a lecture hall and exactly. your your tone is different so that's especially because as soon as you're in front of your monitor and your microphone uh, you, there's a very strange intimidation factor that creeps in, doesn't it? <laughs> that suddenly your voice is different and you think, who, who am I? Like, why am I speaking in this tone? Um, so it's something to get used to, isn't it? It's something that takes practice and, and conscious kind of training. Kinga, you had led us, you have led us superbly into the third of the three things, authenticity. Because you're absolutely right. When people try to talk in front of an audience, let's be quite clear, it's utterly unnatural. It's natural for us to speak in front of groups of four or five people, maybe in front of 30 people or so. It is not natural to stand in front of a room of 100 people and speak to them without being interrupted. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when we start to do that, what we do subconsciously is adopt all the mannerisms of other people we've seen do something like that in the past. Maybe a TV presenter, maybe somebody who was at school that you heard talk about. We become like a mishmash of all these things. And you're exactly right. There's that intimidation factor oh my goodness i'm not talking to a mate of mine i've got this microphone in front of me well i, I better start speaking like someone who's talking to an audience and your voice changes now here's the thing online even if you've got video it is still as i say largely an auditory medium and the voice and the ear are very sensitive instruments when you're delivering face to face you've got a whole bunch of stuff that's done by your body your face your clothes your expression your gestures that that tell a story about you and you can use online all of that comes through your voice how do you tap into that well for me when i say authenticity the great thing is you have the opportunity because you you're there for a reason you're there because you know about this stuff you have a great opportunity to be authentically yourself and in a relaxed informal, conversational, but authoritative way, 
explain stuff. And my goodness, who doesn't want to be able to tune in from their desk and get great information from somebody who's got that relaxed authority and being very personal? And the way you have to do it is physically, there are a lot of things you can do that help. Okay, so relaxing physically, doing tongue twisters beforehand, breathing exercises. For some people, standing up for helps. I'm not convinced that standing up is for everybody because for some people, it's unnatural. It makes them want to perform rather than have a conversation. But I think the key thing, the key thing to get to that point where you are authentically yourself and where your voice isn't trying to be somebody else, to authentically be yourself, I'm afraid, simply takes deliberate practice. Seems like a contradiction, but it is true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant contradiction. You're right. Yes. How, you get to be yourself because what you're doing is, in each level of practice, if you do it properly, you, you need to, to just listen to yourself as you're speaking and understand what you're doing and peel back the various pieces of other people that you've accrued to yourself until at the end you're left with yourself. Now, actually, strangely, the way that I got to be better at speaking public, bear in mind, I've done a lot of public speaking in my life, right? Mm -hmm. from, from being a teenager right through to being an adult and running conferences. But I, <laughs> I got much better at being a public speaker, strangely, by reading poetry to myself, personally, oh, really? aloud. Yeah. Not very much, maybe spending five or ten minutes a day doing this. But there was a good reason for doing it, which we won't go into now. But I found that when I was doing that, I couldn't hide. It was simply me talking to myself and I was listening very intently to the words. I, wouldn't, I didn't need to make up the words, they were there in front of me. But in listening to the words I was saying, I was listening to myself, trying to interpret them and put them over like me. And it was a very revealing exercise. Um, well, we could go into that in, in great detail, but I would suggest to people, that if you're looking to be your authentic self, give yourself lots of practice. It doesn't mean you have to do lots of face-to-face -face or online stuff. If you can, take the opportunity. But do practice reading aloud and listening to it. Do a recording, listen to it, and understand where you're, you think you're doing a good job that really isn't theatrical, isn't grand, but is expressing things correctly. That's really great advice and, uh, and a good way, I hope so. good way to practice. As, as I say, like everyone trying to be useful in this podcast, like everything else. Exactly. So we went through the three big principles yes. of value, intimacy, and authenticity, being authentic. And you said that there's a rule. What is your rule? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a bit melodramatic. Sorry. The rule is, <laughs> the rule is if you get those three things right, you can disregard all the other rules. And there are rules, of course, around structure, everything else. But I have seen people deliver great webinars ignoring all of that. I have people deliver webinars which are literally an hour long and all it is is five questions on slides written in Comic Sans font, right? So it's just like the, the, the worst design. In theory, it could be awful. In practice, it was brilliant because the person was absolutely delivering value and was really engaging as themselves with the audience one-on-one. -on -one. It's really good. And I've seen lots of examples of that. So you can ignore all, everything else if you can handle those three things. And in a way that brings us back to the fact of always, always design with the purpose in mind. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that is very often left out thinking, oh, let me, you know, copy what is, you know, the format that's been done before, what other people seem yeah. to like, rather than yeah. just saying, what is the absolute core purpose of what I'm yeah. going to be doing now and designing for that. 
And if you're designing it, then you know, you, you have a sense of, as that person put up five slides with five words on it, you have a sense that this will work for me and with your style and with what you're doing, it will work and it will be effective mm. as long mm. as you're thinking about the core um, and the three principles. So that's, that's really, really good. So you said that you wanted to make sure that we talk about interactive and that is yeah. a very, very important thing that I've heard countless times from so many different sources in, in all sorts of industries and schools. It's a huge issue. And um, so please tell me what your thoughts are on being interactive. Interactivity is not an end in its own. You, could, you can do something that's interactive and it's a lot of bells and whistles, but at the end of it, nobody's got anything from the webinar. So let's be clear, we're talking about interactivity in the service of your value proposition. So you've got an idea, you want to help people be of service to them, great. Engagement and interactivity totally make that happen. For me, let me explain the environment I'd like to work in typically with, a, with what I'd call a simple webinar where you've got somebody talking and you've got a chat pane beside them. So that's a, a, a simple setup. We'll run with that. Let's say you've got slides, maybe you've got a video, maybe not of yourself, and maybe you've, and you've got a chat panel in which everyone can see what everybody else is writing. And that's very important. Mm -hmm. because that's where you get the real depth of value that we talked about earlier, where you surface the uh, tacit knowledge within your audience. So in that environment, and by the way, I said that you have slides, you may have slides, you may have a demonstration, you may have video, whatever, but there's a, there's a place in which you're displaying something. In that environment, you're creating something that's quite similar to the schoolroom that people have been used to for about 15 years of their lives, typically. What you don't want is for people to get in that room virtually and sit down and be passive acceptors of somebody talking. The crucial thing to get your engagement going is actually what happens for me in the five minutes before the webinar starts. Mm -hmm. Sounds a bit weird. Stay with okay. me. Yeah. That's when you set the tone for the room. When I'm doing a webinar, I don't like to make it theatrical. I don't like to keep everything quiet and then do a big curtain up at zero hour. On the contrary, as people start filtering into the room, I think it's really important to engage them in conversation. Now, typically you get the peak of people coming to the room or, or the, the room fills up about five minutes after you've started, between five mm -hmm. and 10 minutes after you've started. So <laughs> why is this so important? It's important because that nucleus of people who've turned up on time may constitute 33 to 50% of the total constituency of the room, but other people who come in afterwards will take their cue on how to interact in the room from that people. They're your core. You work with them, you set the tone with them. As other people join, they'll see what sort of room it is in that chat window. And so for me, and I almost embarrassed saying this because it is so simple. <laughs> but let's hear it. Because I don't well, think, a, you know, not everyone does this. And so I'm very curious to hear how you're doing this. Five sure. minutes before starting, I just ask everybody, hi, I'm, and I don't, I don't do it in my cheesy radio voice. I do my normal voice. Hi, I'm, I'm Don Taylor. I'm in London. And uh, looking out the window here, I can tell you that, oh, it's a lovely blue sky and looks like there's a light wind. There may be some rain later on. That's the weather in West London. Whereabouts in the world are you? And what's the weather like where you are? Now, it sounds a bit odd. You don't have to ask that question, but it has lots of advantages. One advantage is that you absolutely cannot get the answer wrong. It's the perfect small talk, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why the British spend all their time 
talking about the weather is because we're too embarrassed to reveal our emotions to anybody. And so we use weather as a proxy. And so it, it, it turns out that actually it does work internationally. And of course, you get people from Indonesia say, well, it's, it's late at night here. It's quite tropical. It's about 32 degrees. And you can have a quick chat with them. Look, great, great to have you with us. Somebody's joining us from South Africa. It's a chilly morning on the belt. And God goodness me, we've got somebody coming in from Buffalo. It's five o'clock in the morning. What are you doing at five o'clock in the morning? Joining us, but delighted you're here. And you have a little bit of a chat with everybody as they come along. And crucially, you give them a name check. So give the name for the person in, in Indonesia, South Africa, Buffalo. So to call them out by their name. Hi, yes, Stephanie. Yes, absolutely. I can see you're coming from wherever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And great to have you here. Now, you know, of course, what you're doing here is you're being positive. You're making people think, whatever, I, I wrote something there, I was recognized. And it didn't go down in flames. And yeah, it doesn't matter, honestly, if you're dealing with ultra professional people at the head of their game, nobody wants to expose themselves. And if somebody does write something, let themselves feel, yeah, okay, that was good. You did a great mm -hmm. job. And what happens then is that you've got a room of people suddenly who are chatting about, with each other about things, who've all heard this person saying welcome. And in that five minutes before you start, you've established the atmosphere in the room in a way that you probably would do in a physical room. You'd have a chat with people, you welcome as they come in. Mm -hmm. You've done it online. As mm -hmm. the other people come in, they join it. And then, okay, so that's the first thing you've done. To ensure interactivity, you've effectively, before curtain up, you've warmed up the audience. That's what you'd say in the theater or a TV show. All right, curtain goes up, what happens next? Get your housekeeping done as quickly as possible, keep everything tight, get to the value as quickly as possible, introduce the speaker, the speaker starts, and I would always, within the first four slides, have an open question. An open okay. question to the audience that is personal about their work. So not, not a general thing, what do you think about X? But something like, a lot of people are saying mobile delivery is a great way to get content to people, Here's your question. What, are you ex what, are, what issues are you experiencing with mobile delivery in your work today? Or how are you using mobile delivery in work today? Make it current, make it personal, make it work-based, make, make the answer that your speaker's going to give come in the questions afterwards and always put the question on a slide. People listen very badly. They need to see it. And also, their first language may not be English. Maybe they don't catch it. All right, you get that first question out there. You've warmed up the room. You ask people for their response and then, very difficult thing, you stop talking. You let them respond in the chat. By and it sounds like in. forever, right? If you stop talking online, stop talking for four or five seconds, people start chatting. And A responds, the chat from Indonesia responds, well, the woman from South Africa answers and then also responds to the person from Indonesia. The, the person who joined us from Buffalo comes in and gives their two pennies worth to those people as well. You're doing that thing we talked about earlier and in terms of surfacing the information from the crowd. Lots of things happen when you do that question. People sit forward, they realize they need to be engaged, they realize this is an event where people aren't expecting or expected to sit back and they also understand this is something where they will be listened to. It makes it personal, Please. doesn't it? It, absolutely. Please, please don't say something bland like, well, that's a lot of interesting answers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They've hung themselves out there. Yes. Give, give them something back. <laughs> Bob, great point. Oh, Aziz, I love you at that thing. Jane, I'm not sure. I, great point, Jane. 
I'm going to come back and deal with that later on because that's, that's something I wasn't thinking about. We've got to look at it. We'll deal with that in the questions and so on. Right. I think um, what can be, that's such an important point uh, and yeah. important to remember, but sometimes I think people can also feel overwhelmed by saying, oh, I need to acknowledge everybody. But the truth is you don't need to do. No, do you? you don't. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge, you know, my experience is that if you're experienced at this, you can handle a room of about 150 people at an average level of chat. It doesn't mean all 150 people are talking maybe between 30 and 50 people will be. Mm. Um, there is nothing wrong with people not talking. I would never say to the audience, come on, everyone pitch in. What are you saying? It is a perfectly legitimate tactic to attend a webinar and just sit and listen. You don't have to write. Interestingly, at the end of an event where people have been writing pell-mell in the chat window, you get to see all their names. At the end of it, you say, thanks very much. Going to catch you next time. Bang. You get a whole bunch of people saying thank you. A lot of names you haven't seen before. They've been lurking. They've not been contributing, but they valued it. So it's definitely worth having that conversation, even if not everybody's contributing. That's that's a really really good point. Those are all very good tips, and uh, and and I think as people are listening and and also uh, thinking about more about how they're designing it, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted now from these webinars, hosting it and participating in it or participating in it, they're exhausting yeah. for the many reasons that you mentioned about the, the, the fact that it is sure. a different medium that needs to yeah. be get, we need to get used to. But an important thing that we talked about in the past is, is the fact, yes, it takes practice, it takes knowledge and all of that, but it is also a lot of different things that you're juggling. So just because you're in front of a computer, it doesn't mean you need to do everything or that you can do everything. So the importance of support, because managing a chat, managing technical issues that seem to be occurring very, very regularly. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about those kind of peripherals that help to not make webinars as exhausting and cumbersome. So support and those types of um, important factors. And let's put a positive spin on it. How can we make these things as beneficial and let you do the best job you possibly can? Because when I'm hosting exactly. a webinar, that's my job. My job is to be like, I think, I, I don't know if this is the correct term in American football, to be a linebacker, the guy who shoves other people out of the way so somebody else can run. I don't know if that's right. Anyway. <laughs> if I knew more about sports, I could tell you. All right, um, so right, but it's like going into a conversation, isn't it? You're having yes. a conversation with someone. If you're constantly being distracted by the buzz of your phone, by the people walking in the background, sure. by making sure that the table is steady, you can't in- you can't fully immerse yourself in that conversation. And the same thing with webinars. And if you're not certain of yourself, like you mm-hmm. say, if, if there's things going on around you and you're not certain of yourself, well, that comes out in your voice, which gets a bit pinched and the nervousness comes through. Now, the audience doesn't know why you're nervous and the reaction may well be, this person doesn't know what they're talking about, which is unfair, but it's one natural subconscious reaction. Put yourself in a position where you can be your best absolutely kinky you're right get somebody else to help you i would say a host you don't need to have that person doesn't need to have a lot of skills their job is to make sure that everything else around the edges is working so that you can do your best job um over time you can absolutely get to the stage whereby you can do all of the things we've talked about simultaneously but i think especially initially it's good to have somebody else look at the chat for you it's good to have somebody else deal with any technical issues that come up with members of the audience and so on and if you have that person, even if they're not necessarily having to do very much, 
it's just having that person there that means that you can relax and your voice will naturally open up a bit, your chest will open up, the, the tension goes out of your shoulders and you're able to talk in a voice that naturally just carries more authority and makes people want to listen to you. I could get, I, I can talk about this stuff all day long. You're going to have to tell me to stop, King, because I, I just, I, I, I live at the moment to try to help people not only do a better job with this, but also enjoy it because it is mm. enjoyable. It's a fabulous opportunity. Exactly. And I, it really, it really depresses me that we have this unfortunate position where people are being shoved into doing things in a way that they haven't been given the time they need to prepare for. But hopefully through all of this, through this very quick emergency jumping on, uh, people see the strengths of it and recognize that it's, it's one very good way of doing something and uh, can be combined with other ways, other, other mediums of doing it. So I know we can go on, and, but for now, these are in really, really good points and, and a wonderful conversation. But before we end, I would like to ask, of course, there's the webinar master that people should download and help them guide. But is there a recommendation that you think might be helpful to people? Uh, the, the, the recommendation it might sound slightly left field, but it's a, a, a program on BBC Radio, which is hosted by somebody called Melvin Bragg. I think it's Lord Melvin Bragg now. Um, and it's called In Our Time. Now, for me, this is a absolute exemplar of great programming, great conversation, and it's always super informative. What is it? It is typically three people being hosted by Arthur Ashe, sorry, being hosted by Melvin Bragg, um, sat around a table having a conversation about absolutely anything. It could be about the... Um, about archaeology, it could be about the birth of accountancy, it could be about uh, Einstein's theory of relativity, it could be about a whole range of things. There's something incredibly appealing about listening to people who really know what they're talking about, mm. have a conversation, and it is beautifully managed by Melvin Bragg. So I would, I would absolutely look at that, both for the content and also for what great content looks like. And of course, a lot of preparation goes into it. Mm -hmm. You've got 45 minutes there of of, of great stuff that can make you look, if you listen to all the episodes, and there are about 700, it will make you look like a, somebody who is a complete savant who knows everything <laughs> there is to know about everything in the world because it, it's so wide ranging. So that's my recommendation. You wanted a quote possibly as well. My quote is what I tend to use for everything when I'm thinking, well, how do I get this done? Is Arthur Ashe, the tennis, tennis player. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And that, that's the best place. Don't wait, for, don't wait for perfection. Get on with it. There we go. That is fantastic. And what a wonderful note to end it on. Thank you very, <laughs> very much. And thank you so much, Don, for, for talking and sharing your, your insights and so much knowledge. There's, there's only the tip of the iceberg, but it was really uh, wonderful to have you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Kimberly.